None of us realized the magnitude of it all yet. Otherwise, we would have watched CNN all period. It wasn't until fifth period, American history, that I understood what happened. During math class, the second plane had crashed, and I walked into history to see a TV showing the now infamous news footage. Two enormous twin towers that smoked from their tops, one plume a bit higher than the other. I walked to my seat and sat down, eyes never leaving the television. I took off my hat, but I didn't open my notebook. I didn't take out my pencil or assume the slump note-taking position. I knew we weren't going to be taking notes in American history class that day. The class was abnormally silent. It was high school, and things were usually done in a loud, disrespectful manner. Our teacher, Mr. Barrett, motioned to the television and said something I'll never forget. You guys are living history. I never thought of myself as living history before 9-11. History was something that had already happened, something I studied in school. It came out of a textbook. It was hearsay, not real enough to count. My mind tried to tell me I was watching a movie. It was on TV, after all, and everyone knows that you can't believe everything you see on TV. We watched in horror as the first tower collapsed into itself like it was being demolished. This was real, terrifyingly real. The sort of real that makes you lose hope. The atypical, unpredictable kind of real that you never see coming. That night I called Heather and we talked for a long time about how shocking the attacks were. This is probably how people felt after Pearl Harbor, said Heather. Probably, I said. Makes you realize some things. Like how crazy the world can be, she said. It's scary. This is going to cause a war. I know. The next day at school, Heather told me she'd had a dream we were attacked. Right in Albany, she said. You could see the city exploding from Denny's where we worked. Since then, once in a while, she had these dreams. There were always different scenarios related to terrorism, but we were always together. They feel like the world is ending, she said about the dreams. But, contrary to her dreams, life went on. Wrestling season started and was filled with all the hard work, sweat, and pain of my first two seasons. On nights and weekends, I continued working at Denny's as a dishwasher, and Heather worked as a server. Heather and I broke up, dated other people, and got back together. Then we broke up again, dated more people, and took a final vow to give it one more shot. As the fall approached, I dreaded going back to school. Not only did I have to finish a whole other year of high school, but senior year inevitably meant making all the decisions about the future. For me, the future was a complete paradox. On one hand, colleges were virtually throwing themselves at me through my mailbox, and teachers were pushing that know-what-you-want-to-do-for-the-rest-of-your-life attitude. Yet on the other hand, I wanted to stay a kid. Parents and teachers were so intimidating when they talked about the real world and taxes and mortgages and bills and insurance. With freedom comes responsibility, and I wasn't sure if I was ready for all that. Teens want to know what they should do for the rest of their lives. But how can people with no life experience outside of their crappy after-school jobs and awkward hormone-induced dating life know what they're supposed to do in adulthood? I didn't have any kind of plan. I longed for a purpose. The more I agonized, the more I realized that what I'd watched in history class the year before was my purpose. I thought about joining the military the moment I saw the towers fall, but I was too young. The military wouldn't take you unless you were 17. So after waiting a year, thinking it over, and feeling the increasing pressure of finding a purpose in life, I started talking to recruiters. My family and friends were apprehensive when I told them I planned on enlisting in the service, my mother especially. She wanted me to go to college. She wanted me to pursue writing. I have to do this, I told her. I'd heard all about September 11th. I'd watched it happen on television. I'd heard the theories and discussions about foreign policy that were way over my head. 
I'd bowed my head during tributes and moments of silence. I knew all about 9-11, but I felt like it was my generation's responsibility to do something about it. One night, I invited an Army recruiter to the house before dinner. I told him my situation, the reasons I wanted to join. My mom and dad stood off to the side as the recruiter recommended the reserves. It's one weekend a month and two weeks a year, he said. You can still go to college. You can still have a job outside the military. And they'll only deploy you if they need you. Keep in mind that this was only the fall of 2002. The war hadn't started yet. I discussed everything with my parents. If you're really going to do this, I think you should join the reserves, my mother said immediately. I figured, I said. Do whatever you think is right, Ryan, my father said. Yeah, I said. The reserves probably is the best option, he added. You still get to go to college. Plus, what if you end up hating the military? If you go full-time, there'll be no escape. That's true, I said. There was